0: Welcome to Changeling Cast, the podcast dedicated to reading and dissecting urban fantasy, paranormal, and speculative romance series. I'm your host Mara from the YouTube channel Books Like Woe, and this season we are making our way through Nalini Singh's Psy Changeling series. And today we are pausing in our progress on the main books to do a little bit of a novella slash short story roundup. Now Nalini Singh has quite a few short stories she's, uh, released in the Side Changeling world. She tends to release these as sort of like newsletter exclusives, and they usually are not really plot driven short stories. They're basically kind of vignettes, uh, in different characters lives who we've already seen, but they can yield some interesting little nuggets and little bits of foreshadowing or things to think about. So I thought it was worth, you know, quickly going over those. And then we also have one novella that we need to cover, which is Dorian. It is 5.5, and it is sort of an exploration of what having his leopard go from being latent to non latent means to him. So that's what we are going to explore today. And like I said, I don't think this will be a super long one, but I did just want to. Uh, make sure we acknowledge the existence of these stories. And also I like to put these in to give people a chance to catch up if they are reading along. It's helpful, you know, to have a little pause in our reading schedule from the main books, you know, life happens, especially over the summer wanted to give people a moment to catch their breath on the read through. So with that being said, let's start with the most substantial of these stories, which is Dorian, which I mentioned is 5.5. So this comes right after the main book with Dorian and Ashaya. And really, this picks up kind of where um, that book left off in terms of him shifting into a leopard for the first time, but really this is kind of a day in the life of Dorian throughout his life. Like we kind of check in with him at various points throughout his life of what it means to him to be a latent leopard. Um, We see him as a kid, then we see him as sort of a a juvenile training in um, becoming a soldier and kind of what it, it required of him to overcome the fact that he was latent, uh, and how he kind of compensated that with his martial arts skills. And then we see him actually, you know, being able to be a full leopard. And he, it's it's actually a really lovely novella. Um, I particularly enjoyed the scenes that we have between him and the rest of the Sentinels. Uh, so when he first is able to shift, Lucas feels something kind of through their bond. Uh, they have a blood bond, so they, they have a a connection on some on the psychic plane at least on some level and lucas feels that he kind of calls him like hey is everything okay and he doesn't tell him right away uh and then he he goes to lucas's house and they have like this really lovely moment um where (laughs) where lucas finds out that he um where he is now able to shift and lucas uh like literally starts to cry like they they hug and cry together because he knows what this represents to dorian and it's very very sweet um so we kind of get to see dorian learning to trust his animal form in the way that all changelings have to do eventually, but he is doing it as an adult rather than as a teenager or not even a teenager as a a child. And uh, it's just, it's a very sweet, wholesome story (laughs) of, um, and I guess sort of like a metaphor of making peace with all sides of yourself. But I very much enjoyed that one because there's a scene at the end with all of the sentinels where basically they kind of put him through a test so that he can show his, skills and show his metal uh, as a leopard, um, basically doing this kind of um, tracking game in the forest together. And it's just, it's beautiful and pure. And it has very big, cozy community vibes. Basically, this is really just a lovely hangout sesh with some of our favorite characters. So anyway, this was not a novella where we have a lot of meaningful plot action, but it's more about character development. And that is true for these other short stories as well. So we've got I think, seven of these to cover six, six of these to cover. So first is point six, not point five point six. So this is before the first book, it's called Seedlings. And it's with Nate and Tammy again. And basically, it's just like a really beautiful little check in with Nate and Tammy who are adorable. Um, about the fact that they delay deciding to have kids for a very long time in their their mating. They are together 14 years before they decide to try to have a kid. And they end up with Jules and Roman. um, So they end up with twins more than they'd hoped for. But really, it's just sort of a meditation from Tammy thinking about how she really wants Nate to have zero doubts about them having kids because she knows that he has a lot of fear and insecurity about this idea of her getting mated so young and sort of being trapped with him in some way. So she really wants him to be able to see that like no we're settled. This is forever. When we have kids, it's not because I have to and it's not going to trap me. It's because we want to. So that was a very sweet one. And then I mean, all of these are pretty sweet, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, 1.1 is called the Cannibal Princess. So this is right after Slave to Sensation. And it's basically just uh, babysitting nights. Sasha and Lucas are babysitting for Nate and Tammy while they're out of town. So they have the twins. Um, we do find out in this that Roman is theoretically the quieter of the two boys, which I'd kind of forgotten. Uh, but both of them are pretty dominant. And they're pretty, you know, they're little scallions. They're pretty... Uh, meddlesome when they are together. And it's a a sweet little vignette about how Sasha, the, the twins asked Sasha for a story. And Sasha has never had a bedtime story before. She reflects really that the only kind of bedtime story she ever had from Nikita was Nikita telling her about the horrors of the rehab center that you get sent to if you are a bad sigh, like if you are not good at silence. Um, So she doesn't really even know what it means to tell stories to kids. And Lucas, you know, has this very poignant moment of realizing that. And so he starts telling them um, a story about this cannibal princess with wolf teeth who likes to eat little boys for dinner. And uh, he gets a delight out of seeing Sasha, you know, kind of being swept up in the story the same way that the kids are. So that one was also very sweet and sort of deepens our understanding of just how much Sasha missed out on as a kid. She really, you know, the sigh. they just they mess their kids up real, real bad is kind of the bottom line. Um, I know that's not a surprise if you've been reading along, but we just have these moments where I'm reading the book and I'm like, good Lord, like, I get that you don't want your kids to become serial killers, but at what cost? Come on. Anyway, uh, 4.1 is called A Conversation. And this is actually between uh, Tihan and Zane from the Rat Pack, (laughs) the pack of rats who live in the tunnels beneath San Francisco. Um, And this one, I think, is a little more substantial in terms of getting a better sense of the world building. So things that we learn in this one, one is that there's of the entire pack of rats, only four of them are actually changelings. Most of them are people who can't like they they don't fit into society basically and so they find their way to the quote-unquote below which is the tunnel system underneath San Francisco and they become a part of the rats tribe their clan their pack um and so I, I hadn't quite processed that but that is I think an interesting tidbit that um most of the rats are not actually rat changelings they are either um kind of been adopted into the pack or they are the mate's um, of the pack, so Zane and Tihan. Um, Tihan is the the alpha, and then Zane is his kind of lieutenant. Um, basically, they're reflecting on the fact that Dark uh, River is really keeping their word about the alliance that they made. They kind of they had hoped, basically, just to be left alone. That was sort of their best case scenario. But Dark River is really treating them like an ally, and they have really truly given them full autonomy and full control over the tunnels. Um, it sounds like the rats really have had control over those tunnels for a while, and they've been there longer than Dark River has been in kind of the above in San Francisco, but they just never fully were able to get all of the control until Dark River um, they, could, they couldn't they could control the city itself, I should say. Dark River is able to do that. But by being a lot allied with them, they are now really controlling the tunnels. So they've been surprised that Dark River has kept their word in that respect. But then also, they are getting a percentage of any of the deals made from intelligence that they pass back to Dark River. Um, and so they have all this money that they're going to use to send their kids to, um, you know, basically more schooling uh, above ground but also to expand their living quarters. And then what Zane didn't realize is that they're going to continue to get these percentages on an ongoing basis. So they're basically reflecting on the fact that, like, not only is Dark River keeping their word, but this is really setting them up to actually be able to flourish in a way that they haven't been able to before. And I think what's significant about this is just really kind of deepening our understanding of what the alliance here is and the fact that the rats really are going to be Kind of um, pretty loyal allies at this point, because Dark River is keeping up their end of the bargain. So I thought this one was more substantial in terms of just like the world building that we get. Then I would say the most substantial in terms of just an actual, like, kind of, a this is truly more of a story than most of the rest of these are, it's less of it, it's, it is still sort of a slice of life. But We sort of get a beginning, middle, and end a little bit more to this one. And this is 5.6. It's called A Gift for Kit. And this is between Kit and Rena. Now, these are two uh, soldiers in Dark River. And we have seen them. They've been recurring characters. We definitely see them throughout the series. I assume Kit is going to get a book at some point. Um, But we've seen him as sort of a juvenile. So like a teen. And at this point, he's let's say kind of maybe like a new adult. He's sort of in his either late teens or early 20s at this point, um, I believe. And so is Rena. Rena is his older sister. And she Um, has been raising him since their parents died, we find out that their mother so their parents had them later in life. And then their mother also had this rare genetic condition that um, is inoperable, even with the advanced medical technology that this world now has. And so he died, or she died kind of at a young age. And then her dad, their dad rather, uh, was able to sort of hang in there for about two years, just enough time for Rena to turn 18 so that um, she would be able to take care of Kit. And and then he passed away as well, just because if you if your mate dies in this world, if you're a changeling, like you're not long for this world, really. So that's kind of the background for them. And this is basically like a Saturday and Rena wakes Kit up early and she makes him this big yummy breakfast. And he's kind of suspicious because this is not in character for him, or for her rather. And so uh, and then she says that they're going to go for a drive. So they get in the car. We find out that Rena um, is now reporting to Dorian, which I think we already knew, but she, if you'll recall in the first book, she was reporting to Barker, but he was like into her romantically. And so she was just like not really respecting him as a leader. So now she's reporting to Dorian and he's like, I think it's basically a better match is what we kind of find out. And Rena takes Kit into the woods and she gives him these special dog tags that her parents had made for him before they died. And um, it basically is a a, on the occasion of him being made a soldier. So they just have this really sweet, poignant moment that made me tear up um, as they sort of mourn together. And then they have this kind of celebratory run through the forest um, in memory of their parents. So I just it was a nice deepening kind of character backstory and character moment. Um, Yeah, it was just it was really a lovely little slice of life. Uh, and actually, when we get to 7.5, we'll get into why I'm really I, I want more Rena and Kit. I may I may be forgetting if they show up more than I remember them showing up in these in these um, kind of in the first series, but I'm ready for them to come back in the second series. <laughs> like I'm, I'm ready to see more from them. Um, okay, and then moving into 5.7. Oh, this was just a delight. Um, this is called movie night. And this is really just a date night in that Judd and Brenna have together. Um, they so they're gonna have date night and Brenna spares Judd from having to go to a restaurant because she knows that it actually really stresses him out. So they you know, are making pizza and watching movies. And Judd tries to make Brenna happy by picking a movie that he knows she wants to watch. And Brenna kind of pushes the point and really says like, hey, you're she she takes pleasure in watching him learn how to have fun. And she's like, you know, I don't want to pick something that I like. I want you to figure out what you like because you've never been able to have these kinds of preferences before. So like here's a list of movies that are aimed at men or aimed at boys. Like, why don't you pick one? So he picks this terrible action movie um, and he snarks it up. He gets funny. Uh, Let's see here. So the, (laughs) I, I noted this quote. Um, So the, the action hero had to um, uh, intervene on this very, stereotypically, you know, busty leading lady's behalf. And Britta says, yeah, he was very heroic, especially when he had to quote unquote save her by heroically sucking on her boobs. Cause she got bit by a snake on her boobs. I noticed her rack never moved. Judd said in a cool tone, there's no excuse for that with lo- the low cost cosmetic procedures currently available. <laughs> <laughs> just really cracked me up. Uh, and Brenna also, she's just she's so happy that she gets to see the funny side of him. Um, and he's kind of like learning to, to find his own voice in his own way. So was just I mean, you know, we love Judd, we stand Judd on this podcast, and just getting some hang time with him was great. And then finally, the last of these short stories is 7.5. This is the longest one. It's called Christmas in the Kitchen, and it's clearly like meant to be a Christmas novella. And basically, this is just some hang time with Dorian, Ashaya, and um, their neighbors. So I will say, Dorian, I guess, so I like Dorian fine, but him and Ashaya seem to turn up a lot in these early books. I guess maybe at the time were they bigger fan favorites, or maybe are is Dorian a bigger fan favorite that I'm giving him credit for? I don't know. I just feel like he shows up a lot. Um, I really love Ashaya. So I'm not necessarily mad about that. But yeah, I don't know. That was just something I was reflecting on of he, he seems to be getting a lot of real estate in these novellas slash early stories. So maybe, maybe other people just enjoy him more than I do. I don't hate him or anything. But yeah, anyway, side note. Um, So basically, it's Ashaya is is bacon, and Dorian and Kenan uh, fix a sink together. Ashaya is uh, kind of reflects on how cooking slash baking is a is her way of exploring her creative side, kind of like what we were just talking about with Judd that he's exploring his own taste and preferences. She talks about how baking and cooking is a creative outlet for her, but that is still very orderly. So it kind of provides her structure and creativity at the same time, which I thought was an apt insight for a side trying to kind of flex their wings a little bit. That made sense to me. Um, And basically like a bunch of their neighbors find out that she's baking and they show up. So Kit comes by for baked treats Um, Shia, by the way, is she's baking for the PAX Christmas party. So that's why she has a lot of treats. But um, Kit comes by and then uh, Noor, John, Tally and Clay also come by. And they eat so many of her desserts she's made that they have to help her ice like put icing on her extras that she made. We find out in this that John apparently is crushing on Rena. And I can't remember if this is foreshadowing. But Clay and Dorian make a bet. So Clay says, I figure she's trying to let him down easy since he's just a kid. But my money's on john. Give him a few more years and age difference or not. I bet you he goes after her. Big call, man. Dorian whistled softly. But I tell you what, if you're right, I will bake you a cake complete complete with frilly pink icing. So I can't remember if this is foreshadowing or not. Or maybe this is foreshadowing we haven't scene paid off yet. But I thought I would I would note that. Um, So yeah, they all just are kind of hanging out. And then Clay and Dorian have a cake baking competition in which they both fail spectacularly. And, uh, you know, it's Merry Christmas for all. So this one really is just sort of like a a hangout little um, story. So yeah, anyway, those are the six short stories that I wanted to make sure we caught up with as well as that novella. Uh, Not a lot to talk about this week. But um, you know, just wanted to throw this one in there for some character deepening slash observations. uh, And also give people a chance to catch up a little bit if they are behind. So our next episode will be another full novel, it will be Bonds of Justice, which is the eighth book. And uh, this one I remember Max is the hero, I forget who our heroine is, though I know she I remember her I forget her name, I remember what she ultimately ends up doing later on in the series. But anyway, Uh, so that will be in a couple of weeks. So get reading on that. And yeah, I think that will do it for this episode. So if you enjoyed it, definitely take a moment to rate and review. And you can find me at books like whoa on all the things YouTube, Instagram, Goodreads, TikTok, Twitter, all the things I am books like whoa. So come follow me there if you are so inclined. And yeah, that will do it for me. We will meet back here in two weeks to talk about Bonds of Justice. And I hope you're having a great day. Bye.